Okay, you don't have to gloat right now about your intuitiveness. <laughs> Wait, I thought this, this intuition po- podcast. I thought this podcast was all about intuition. What? It is. Not yours, just Maury's. Mine, just mine. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez. And I'm Melissa Grushka. And today we're going to talk about somatics with a very special somatic coach. Ready, Bean? Very ready. Bean Arenaer. Reen Reen. Reen Bean. What's up? <laughs> Ooh, that was weird. Nothing. What's up? What's up with you, buddy? We're having internet issues, which oh. we like to do when guests come on. It's our favorite activity. We think that's fun for our guests. Tech tech problems. Tech problems. It really sets the tone. I feel like it gets them really relaxed and and ready to share on the episode. You know what it does is it's like it convinces them immediately, oh, this is a bullshit amateur hour moment, so I don't have to be nervous. And this isn't going to go well. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, speaking of, uh, this particular guest is not going to be surprised that there's some chaos going on here because she's lived with me her whole life. Can you guess who it is, Bean? Uh, I'm going to guess it's your fairy godmother. (laughs) Wow. No, it is. My sister, Morgan, who is also a somatic coach, and she's here today to talk to us about how trauma lives in the body and how we can heal it through somatics. Morgan, (laughs) Besharat, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Thank you, Maury. Thank you, Melissa. We have been very excited to have you. You're also an avid listener of the show. Do you have any notes for us? Anything you want to give us feedback on? Constructive criticism? And living color? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think y'all are doing a really beautiful job. That's so nice. Spoken like a true sister. There's a little soundtrack in the back, which I really love from Melissa. I want you to know there's always singing on this show. You can do what you want. You can do in living color. That's where J-Lo got her start. (laughs) For all of the younger listeners. Oh, right. She was a fly girl. Fly yeah. girl. Yeah. That's where I'm going to get my start. It's a fly girl. <laughs> Sister, you've listened to this podcast enough to know that we like to start before we introduce you and what somatics is. And by the way, listeners, I think you're in for a real treat because once I really wrap my head around somatics Ooh. and how the body holds on to trauma and how we can be thoughtful about healing that trauma. Um, It's been life-changing for me. It really has been something that's transformed the way I have healed and processed stuff. In fact, Bean, you asked me, I think in our last episode, what happens when you're going through change and it's hard and you have to try to move through it. And I was saying that I use all kinds of different healers to help me process the fear stuff that comes up when you're going through change. And somatics is one of those things. So I really think this is going to be one of those episodes where people are going to walk away with a lot of information. But before we get serious, we got to do Morjgan, our cringe and delight. This is where Bean and I regale each other with the last week or so and something that either delighted us or cringed us out. Do you have one? Do you want to start as our special guest? Oh, Moj is doing it. Oh, that's fun. Let's do it. Wow. You're getting me to start? Wow. What an honor. (laughs) Thanks, sister. I think my delight for this week is going to come across so simple, but it's just essentially because we've been having really bad weather over here. And Melissa and I were talking about this earlier. 
Um, it's been really lovely to have a day where it's been really crappy outside and raining like crazy, which really makes yeah. my whole system get really sad. And then the next day to be outside and it is so cold, but the sky is so blue. And that to me is just life. That was yesterday. And the day before we had crazy weather. So I think Maury, this will kind of remind you of something about maybe our, our nervous system and our um, biology of growing up in Colorado because Colorado yeah. is so sunny. Yeah. Right. When it's cold. And so for me, it's a really delight to experience Aww, cold and sun and blue sky. That's beautiful, sis. That's really beautiful. You're right. I think that it, I always found it hard to be depressed in Colorado, despite the fact, I mean, I was a little kid, so that's probably part of why. But also because it's literally sunny every day in Colorado, which is, it makes a huge difference. Well, sister, that's so delightful. Uh, Bean, what you got? Uh, mine seems much more superficial and silly compared to hers. I was just going to share that I got keratin yesterday and I didn't know that you're not allowed to wash it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And as a result, for the three people watching YouTube, that's why my hair looks like this. That's my cringe. It looks great, actually. I was expecting what? you to look, look like this. a greasy little It's not greasy. They like rat. They like flat iron it in, but then it's just like your hair is like. <laughs> yeah. What made you decide to get keratin all of a sudden? I've been thinking about it for a long time, and then I just did it this time. I don't know. I just wanted to give it a go. I like to try new things. Have a good time. But do you find your hair particularly frizzy? Like, oh, yeah. What's... I get that like that. I get that like Jew frizz. And especially when it's like raining and weird, my hair just like, you know, yeah, come on. Do you know me? Is that what the point of keratin is? Yeah. Keratin okay. is like a protein that they iron into your hair that shines up your hair, which I need because I have, you know, the thick Persian hair. But I didn't, I never experienced your hair as frizzy. But anyway. That's because I always am done up around you because I got to keep up because you're always done up. Well, you look fantastic today in your cardigan, although I can't see you because your internet's <laughs> funky. All right. Well, thanks for asking. I'll go. I am delighted. <laughs> okay. So our mom, not your and my mom, but my sister and my mom is here visiting with her best friend, Zahra. They're really I feel like cute. she's a mother figure to me. Okay, sure. Uh -huh. So our mom, our collective our mom. mom is here visiting with her bestie. They are so cute. They literally giggle Love. and talk all day long. They like were laying out by the pool yesterday, just like talking, gossiping by the pool. They then <laughs> had tea. They play cards. They're super cute. But okay, that's not my delight. It's so nice. It's so nice to have them mm -hmm. here and my mom here because she's so helpful. Um, but sister, get this. And Bean, you'll relate. Yesterday, so I made an appointment for this afternoon to get a tattoo and to take her with me because what I want is for her to write the word freedom in Farsi, which is Azadi, in her handwriting, and I'm going to get it tattooed on the back of my neck And because freedom is my greatest value. Can I ask, excuse me, can I ask sure. how, she, how she feels about that? Well, I, this is, I'm getting there. This is the delight. Bean. Part of the oh. delight. Okay. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> so... Double meaning is that it's my way of standing in solidarity with the women in Iran who are fighting for their freedom every day and to have my mom's handwriting on me. Anyway, all of this to say my mom, our mom is anti-tattoo. Like, sister, how would you describe yeah. her feelings about tattoos? What? Why you want to do that? <laughs> you said it nicely. Solid impression. She's usually like cursing you out in Farsi being like unacceptable. Bichot. 
Useless. Yeah, yeah useless. The whole thing is useless. Yeah. Useless. So Aww. I tell her I want to do this. She's like a little intrigued because it's her handwriting. And then I forgot that I hadn't shown her. I have two new tattoos on my wrists that are my kids' constellations of, you know, their signs. So I was like, oh, mom, actually, look at this. And I showed her my tattoos. And she's like, what are those? And I explained them to her. And she smiled. And she goes, that's so lovely. Tattoos. She called them lovely. Look at them. Good job bringing our mom to the current state of being. Right? 78 is not too old to expand. (laughs) We're very proud of mom. Oh my God. Did I tell you, speaking of, did I tell you my mother saw my tattoo that I've been hiding from her for years? What happened? Did I tell you? She wasn't even that mad. She's like, I knew you were doing it. You were right. I was convinced she was going to slaughter me. And she doesn't even get mad, but I was like, this will throw her over the edge. She like doesn't like it, but she was like, oh, what does that mean? I I tried to explain to you. Wait, did she see the moon or the bird? She doesn't see the bird. She doesn't know they're there. Oh, awkward. It doesn't matter now. The jig is up. Did she listen? The jig is (laughs) up. Now she knows. (laughs) I have two tattoos. Debbie, check out that left arm (laughs) next time you see Melissa. That's what my mom said. She's like, how many is too many though? Are you going to get a sleeve? I was like, she doesn't know what a sleeve is, but she's like, is your arm going to be full? Yes. And then I was like, oh yeah, I have this other one. And then if I get this one that you do, then it'll be five. She's like, five is too many. Do it on your face. So anyways. didn't she know that you already calling it a sleeve, which I find really delighted. Actually, that is a delight for <laughs> yeah. me. When you're like, let me show you my sleeve. And I'm like, what? That would be awesome. And then you're like, me, 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 me. <laughs> had a so good cute. laugh. I was like, okay, sister, that's a good sleeve. Did you call it a sleeve? I said it's like a sleeve. Swear to God. I swear to God she called it a sleeve. You called it a sleeve? Bean. I said it's like a sleeve. Okay, whatever. Morgan, you're out. (laughs) Goodbye. It was cute. Yes, I'm still in. I was saying it was delightful. Your best friend is making fun of it. I thought it was cute that you call it a sleeve. I'm making fun but of But let me just let me just give you this. I think mom, for having a mom who was so anti- to then for you to have as many, it is like an accomplishment, like a sleeve right. in terms of, yeah, 100%. Thank like you. I can appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> Mosh, you don't have that to- That is such an older sister yeah, totally. dynamic where she has to make me feel totally. better now. She's like, I'm on your podcast and your best friend's now making fun of you. And it worked. And now I've got to celebrate you. You were like, thank Aww, you. I, know. Thank I, you. I mean, I get it. I get it. <laughs> My mind gets it. She gets it. Well, you know what? I'm glad you just did that because I think you just showed everyone- why you are such an incredible person to be coaching and healing people because you're such a deeply feeling, loving individual. And I'm lucky enough that you're my older sister and I get this every day. But let's get into how you do this for people through somatics. What do you think? Shall we? Did you like that transition? It was killer. A plus? It was sick. Okay, thank you. I forgot we were doing a podcast. I thought we were just talking. (laughs) You're just catching up with Mojgan? Yeah, I was like, hey, Moj, great to see you. All right, so Mojgan, I want you to start by explaining, and I just want to remind you because you're the expert that this is like really break it down for us in 101. I want to hear from you what somatics is, Mm. like how would you define Mm -hmm. it? But then more interestingly, how did you find your way into somatic coaching because it was not a linear process for you? So tell us about that and tell us what it is first. Okay. So think about somatics as embodiment. Embodiment is like, what does your body hold? Your body holds all its parts. So you have body parts. doesn't matter whether Mm -hmm. it's like 
We all have body parts, even those of us with limited abilities in our bodies. We do have right? body parts. We have in our bodies, our heart and our spirit selves. We embody that. And we also embody a cognition or an awareness or our minds that makes meaning, right? And so that is what the what somatics is about. It's about kind of bringing all of that into alignment um, for the sake of what we long for, to transforming into that. So it's a it's a practice method methodology, as we can think about it, or a tool. So can I repeat back mm-hmm. what I heard, and you tell me if I have it right? Actually, Bean, mm. yes, you do it. What did you oh, hear? No, I heard that we're. <laughs> We're all body, we're a whole body, and this takes into account all parts of your body, not just your physical being, but your spiritual being and your emotional being. And it's all parts of you that are working together in unison. So you have to kind of get them aligned. Did I hear that correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Okay, good. Great. That's what I, heard. I appreciate yes. the, that you asked her because I feel like that's relevant. Yeah. So sister, what does that mean when we are humans that walk through the world and collect negative experiences or trauma? How does that affect that system in somatics? Okay. That's a really big question. So we can break it down really simple. First of all, we are biological beings, like all living beings. That would be plants and animals. Okay. And in our system, we are designed for survival, like all living beings are. So when we encounter places in which there is in this episode, we're talking about trauma, which is like the biggest thing that causes us harm, right? Our system, our nervous system is designed to contract. So it causes contraction within all parts of our bodies. And because we're also an emotional beings, we can have contraction in our emotion. Because we have thought processes, it can inform our thoughts. And so trauma informs because it's an experience we have that lives in our body because we experienced it with our whole beings. And when you say a contraction, what does Mm -hmm. that mean specifically? Mm, Yeah. So let's just first start with a roly-poly. I think we've all had an experience with roly-polies, the little critters. And when you touch them, they're little cute little critters. Such a cute word. That when you they're like wait, explain them though. If someone hasn't seen one, a roly poly is like almost like a centipede or a millipede that doesn't have any sort of venom for us, right? So there's no harm for us to do any sort of interaction with them. They're safe, yeah. And if you've ever, as a kid or as a curious adult, ever come across a little roly poly with a little hard shell and they're really small and you touch and they're just kind of walking, they're doing their little walk and then you touch them, they immediately curl up into like a roly poly, like a round little thing that's all oh. curled up in and of itself. That's its natural instinct to survive. So for us, when we experience some form of trauma or we've seen violence, we also then will curl up. And that doesn't mean necessarily physically, but maybe internally there's a curling up that happens. And so Mm. we're not at the most relaxed and open state that we normally are when we feel safety, connection, and belonging. Something's been interrupted. Can I interrupt and ask a question while it's top Mm -hmm. of mind? So when you that tra- when you experience that trauma and it becomes part of your being, does it ever does it ever go away on its own, or you 
from that moment on are living with that level of trauma somewhere in your body? Usually, unfortunately, with trauma, if we don't address it and recognize it and process it or metabolize it, that energy, the flow of energy that should exist in us or that does exist in us naturally, which is that we have a thought, there's a rising, and then there's like a coming down. So that's a natural flow of like almost a wave. That's how our energy is. When we experience trauma, there is an interruption of that flow. So yeah. we have to energetically in our system and our nervous system and our psychobiology work that through for it to go through. And yeah. if we don't do it, it just stays stuck in wherever we are holding it, whether that's in our mind or in heart or our different parts of our bodies. Yeah, that makes sense. I like the way you described that. That was really clear. I want to ask you before we go further into trauma in the body, because I think it's really important. What I want for our listeners, and I'm hoping they're thinking right now is like, okay, well, what do I do about it? So mm. before we get into all of that, which is what somatic coaching helps to heal, my theory is that we don't get into a life's work unless our life has been um, mm. a road of experiencing the thing we're here to heal. And mm -hmm. you work a lot with people on hearing, healing trauma. So I was just wondering if you'd share a little bit of your story around how somatics came to be something you decided to devote your life to and why and how meaningful it is to you based on what you've experienced in the world. I appreciate this question because it is really the heart of the work and it is the, the why. So I, growing up, experienced all sorts of different types of harm and violence, whether that was, you know, family harm and also state violence in terms of the war that was happening in Iran and that we were part of. And then just sort of the trauma of being disconnected and leaving behind people you know that you feel safe with in the midst of all of this violence to mm. come to then being so isolated and experiencing trauma in the home. I, sorry, isolated. Come to the U.S., just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the United yeah, States. Yeah. I was just going to say maybe background is she was born in Iran and grew up there until what age? Yes. Yeah. So effectively, we left when I was 11. So that's a long time. And at that time. time, there was already a war going on. Right. Yeah. And there was already the revolution had already taken place. So there was a lot of change that was happening. I was just going to say that Maury has referenced her mother's experience a lot on this podcast. And the, the truth is you were there as well and experiencing the same level of disconnect from everything you knew and coming to a, like a foreign land yeah. and not having a support yeah. system. Absolutely. In place, like and especially in your developmental years as a yeah, child, there's exactly. so much, so many studies and so many awesome, awesome people out there who've done beautiful research around yeah. PTSD. And totally. so for me, what I came to recognize is that a lot of my experience has been, and a lot of the way I was moving through my life was around survival. I mean, sure. honestly, I would say even up to my 30s, it took me a very mm -hmm. long time to recognize how long I was in this really state of just doing for the sake of surviving. And coming the coming out process for me, you know, identifying as queer and really being able to stand up for myself was the first beginnings of the thawing, I would call it, of me coming into myself. And that just, and this has just been a continuous growth from there. Uh, so for me, the, what really 
has aligned in somatics is how much it has helped me come back to my whole self mm -hmm. and that my whole mm -hmm. self meaning this connection back to my sense of safety that I am self-responsive around that I'm not looking for external to make me feel safe it's around that connection to others and feeling like I belong because I simply am worthy of it that's my ultimate wish for like all of humanity I think that's so beautiful mm -hmm. yeah thank you it's liberating. It's liberating to come to a place where you recognize you can be whole. Yeah. And then you can make choice from that place. Absolutely. And having choice is such a big thing because when you grow up with trauma, you don't have choice. A lot of things are what they are. There's very, very little consent, if ever. There's really, there's so many things that interrupt us. When we are experiencing trauma or, or seeing violence um, or living in oppressive states, right? A, a, feel, express, feeling oppression is a real thing for us as well. This is very heavy because I can feel all of your emotions being. Oh, which yeah. Is different. Feeling me listening to her. Yes. And then I'm feeling yeah. it, the same thing. Beautiful. But look at that collective experience of totally. being in this really present, listening with each other and allowing our systems to feel. Yeah, totally. Like this, is, this is part of our makeup is this connection that we can have collectively. This is also how we heal. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I don't want to give away too much because I write about this in the book and I want you to read go it. Go buy it. But <laughs> go buy I'm it next I'm year. I'm going to be your sister. book fly girl. <laughs> Bean's doing a cheer. A book for reading. Those of you that aren't watching dance. us. No, but I I think that it's emotional for me because obviously I love you and what you've been through is hard to hear, but also because you know, you talk about everything up until you turned 30, but 30 was hard in itself mm. and your coming out um at that age was an experience for me that was really edifying about standing in your truth and how courageous, not just courageous, that's obvious, that's a given, how dedicated you have to be to that truth, no matter what people's reactions are, and how that experience in itself created trauma for you, which I was a part of. So I, I want to ask you, you know, I think that we talk about healing in this way right now in our culture that sounds very linear and very like, mm. and then I did this thing and then I found this and I talked practice, to my therapist and then I was great. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just, I really, one of my goals for this podcast is to demystify this process where people are in the shit of it while they're healing mm. and thinking there's something wrong with them because the healing feels so circular or is taking so long. Or sometimes you feel like you went back 20 steps mm -hmm. after a year of healing. So can you talk a little bit about how in the process of becoming a somatic coach, you had to do so much of your own healing? What was that like for you in that process? And how did that affect your relationships with other people? And, you know, it doesn't, it mm -hmm. wasn't, I can say from watching it, it wasn't linear and pretty and, you know, A equals B equals C. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about like the muck of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. You're absolutely right. Healing is not meant to be linear um, because things are happening in layers for us. So I think the best way to explain it is for me to become a certified coach. I had to go through my own healing journey and a really deeper understanding of what this process, this methodology is about 
And so really getting into the muck of un, just kind of unpacking, which can happen in stages. And so, you know, it's rebuilding the sort of space of where I felt safe enough that, that I could look inwards, experience what I needed to experience, and then feel like I had a little more softening happen. And then in that space, in that openness, I was able to then look again at another area that felt like there was a wound. Yeah. So there's a lot of like unpacking that has to happen. And as you unpack and you get to like, it's almost like the best way to say it is it's kind of like you're on this climb, right? You're climbing, you're on a hike and you get to a certain spot and you're like, wow, look at this gorgeous landscape. It's so beautiful. This is your internal landscape. You're like, wow, so much beauty, so much possibility. And then you're like, something happens and you're like, oh, okay, there's still something here that I need Mm. to work with. And then it's like, okay, let me continue this climb. So let me climb up even higher. And then you're like, wow, look at this expansiveness. So there's even more opening, this wider landscape you get to appreciate. And then you're like, huh, nope, there's still something down there that I need to go back and retrieve and heal because it's still deep. It's still, it's Mm. like layers. It's like an onion that you keep peeling back layers and layers of. So you get to a place where you're like, oh, wow, I feel so good. And I think that is really how the process of healing happens. It's not a, you said it, sister, it's not linear. It is definitely in these stages and processes in which we open, we relax more, we soften. And in that softening, there is some resilience building in us we we can tap into our resilience and that allows us then to continue to then heal more in depth yeah what's still there because it's in layers i mean yep. i can give you an example if that would please be i love examples yes so you asked like you know what led me to somatics and it's because i had done you know i've been in intimate relationships before and i just you know this is going to get very very like intense but i had really some really disturbing situations happen when I was in like in really deep intimate situations and where I would just freeze where I I wasn't able to enjoy any sort of pleasure and for me that really was very disturbing and so it led me into this path of like what why why am I like this isn't that's not what's happening to my partner why is this happening to me right and I'm in this really safe relationship with this person where I feel loved I feel seen I feel held so it's not like them but clearly I I just freeze and it led me through a path of, of coming to different modalities I did EMDR I did therapy and then I did somatic therapy and that really enlightened my like knowing of like, oh my God, there's so much inside of my body that I'm holding here. And so it led me into somatics and in somatic coaching, like the certification process, that was the biggest thing that I healed was this part of myself that had experienced harm in, in a physical way that really took me to these places where I would just freeze an intimate relationship Um, and how I would show up. It really helped me see, wow, like I'm really appeasing, which I really want to appreciate you all covering because it is a trauma response in which we fawn or appease because for the sake of feeling like we're lovable, 
But what mm-hmm. we then what we then risk is our own safety, our physical mm-hmm. safety, just to feel like we can be loved or belong. And so mm-hmm. it just helped me deepen into that healing process because it is a journey to really bring all parts of ourselves into a wholeness because trauma compartmentalizes us. It isolates us mm-hmm. for the sake of survival. And that means that we're not really fully experiencing ourselves wholly. It helped me come to this place where I really felt like, wow, my whole journey in this life is this is the commitment I have is to healing collective trauma for the sake of embodied joy and liberation, because it is absolutely liberating to not be held hostage to these experiences that live in the body that keep us from experiencing true connection with another being that's our intimate partner or our family that we choose or the family that we're born into. It's what keeps us from being able to create like our traumas and our our things that we hold sometimes keep us from being able to make really like grounded requests from someone that feel very centered. Mm -hmm. Our trauma is what keeps us from being able to set boundaries that keep us intact, meaning our dignity, our sense of safety, our belonging, that that's all intact and that you're also looking at the other person and holding them as well in that place. So it, it it's so beautiful to be in a place where you can have freedom and liberation to be able to move through the world, feeling connected and part of feeling like you're, you're worth it because you mm-hmm. are and that you are re reestablishing safety for yourself from the inside out because right. when we have trauma we're looking for safety externally and really to become uh, to heal to become intact we have to re we have to redo it from the inside out we have to make that happen we have to be self-responsive for our own safety i feel like that was wow. so such a impressive explanation of what somatics is and the it's its role it can play in your life. I was just curious if going back to the part about you being able to be intimate, which was just a small part of the whole thing, um, just using that as an example, it, once you are able to work through that and you discovered where that trauma lied in your body and you were able to um, heal it, is there a I, I know that all types of therapies are, it's a continuation. You can never just mm-hmm. stop and say, I'm healed. It's great. So I, I understand that. But in that particular situation, once you heal that aspect of yourself and you're able to be intimate and connect again, do you have to continuously do work on that aspect of yourself? Or is that something you can sort of move past at that point? Brilliant question. We're, we're never moving past. We're always moving through moving through and better. because it's it always lives in us because it will always be there we just learn to metabolize it and and shift it and change and change it and how we show up and it's still there because it has what it is what has informed us it is part of our shaping it has shaped us for so many years of our you lives yeah. so just speaking from myself you know that sort of experience right informed me for so many years of my right. life until I looked at it and I paid, I put a I light, you know, I shed a light into it and 
just think about then how much I had done and maneuvered around it, right? So it's so much part of my being that you just don't, because now you're shedding light into it and you're healing it, it doesn't just go away. Right. You heal it enough so that you operate differently. Choice. Yeah. That you operate differently, that you have transformation, but that your transformation as a human being is a continued process. There's really never an ending, so to speak. And so maybe that's that feels like wah, wah. But at the yeah. same time, it can be such a beautiful exploration yeah. of like, but like I said, a landscape that you haven't ever seen yeah. or experienced in yourself. I feel like even this is so not really, this is so not the same, but I feel like even getting into my 40s, which I was dreading and feeling weird about, has given me like a different perspective. So it is like a light, you're just constantly learning and growing. And I did want to share that I met you that right after you came out. So I was like there for that bit of turmoil in your family and how everybody was responding. And I can say, I have seen your evolution over the past, I don't even know, how long ago was that? 20 20 years. years. I have seen you uh, evolve and soften in so many ways. I will say when I first met you, you had way more, um, I'd say barriers up. And I we've we've spent a lot of time together (laughs) over the years and I've watched you soften and um, sort of ease Mm. into yourself. So I can attest to all of everything she's saying. I can attest. (laughs) It's a beautiful reflection. Thank you. um, Should I leave? Bye. You guys want some alone time? It's Signal with Moj and Melissa. And, you know, (laughs) sister, you asked a question I want to come back to is that how has it shaped my relationships? Yeah. I really do think that when we transform and we recognize we have choice and we recognize what matters to us, and the boundaries we're able to set that feel so much more intact to us and others. It's not a disconnect, but it's a connection to myself and someone else that my relationships are more real, that mm-hmm. I'm able to be my truer self, which I feel like I always was, but even more to a place of that feels a lot more engaging and soft. Um, I feel like the relationships that don't work for me, I just don't choose to put as much energy or continue in because it yes. doesn't serve me in this place of wholeness, um, the relationships that want to keep me small, that want to keep me less than, the relationships that want to diminish my being or want to be a power over, I choose to walk away from now as opposed to trying to appease to be part of. So mm. there's so much change that comes about. And so there's a lot more choice in the people I choose to have really deep connection with and people that I choose to have this very shallow and I don't have a whole lot of shallow, shallow relationships because no, they just, they're not, they don't fulfill me. Yeah. Ain't got yeah. no time for that. Yeah. No, I think all three of us are similar in that way, actually, where that mm-hmm. doesn't feel good. I just want to say again, what you just said, it hit so clearly, which is the relationships that I was in to appease as a way to belong are no longer going to serve me because I don't say it again. Say it one more time. You said it so beautifully. I don't choose to be in these relationships where I have to make myself small or appease yes. to, to belong because I, I don't need that sort of affirmation from someone else. I already know in myself because of the healing journey that I've been on and yep. is that I'm, I'm enough. There's an enoughness yes. in me that I experience that lets me then in, informs me that I don't need to make myself small just to belong. I think that's so important because I tell people this all the time who are on any healing journey and are afraid of what that's going to mean for their current relationships. Yeah. That, you know, 
either listen, you're expanding. That's your priority. You're never going to choose your contraction in favor of someone's comfort or or love or validation. Again, that's the priority. And as you expand, you are creating an opportunity for them to either expand alongside you or move out of the way so you have more room to stretch. And either way, even though it's frightening in that moment to think about it, you're actually so much more in your truth and therefore happier on the other end of it, whether they're alongside you and have expanded or they've gone away and have given you room to grow, you're much happier for it on the other side of it. Would you agree that that's been your experience? Absolutely. And I just don't want to make it so simple either in that it is a process that we're always in and it's always a question that we're in in the relationships, especially the ones that we care about, especially the ones that we derive a sense of deep, deep connection and safety and belonging in is that it, it is a process because we also have to hold in this that the other person also has their own set of circumstances and own set right. of conditioning that they're coming in with. So what I can say about the process in somatics is that it really is a, allowed for discernment. It allows mm. for like a deeper appreciation of like receiving an understanding from a place of like, where is that person coming from? And do they mean me harm? Or are they in a place where they themselves are experiencing their own set of like, Mm. contractions and reacting from that or their own set of trauma that's kept them in the survival mode. And that's where they're coming from, because something triggered Mm -hmm. them. And that is such it's it's a process. It's a and and this is what we call. It's never progress. It's I'm in process, and this is Ooh, what it that. is. In so process. like it, appreciating that we are all in process, tattoo all of us, and like how does that then build our ability to be more compassionate with each other? Like I really appreciate the empathy that we need to be able to recognize. Oh, I'm feeling some other person's pain, but the compassion pieces. What do I need to keep me intact and keep them intact? What's that compassion look like, mm-hmm. right? How do I show up mm-hmm. with compassion here? Yeah. So I, th- I think my role here is always on this podcast is to sort of make things a little more tangible and, and mm. more easily digestible for like the average listener who may not have as much knowledge, much like myself on a lot of these different types of therapies and more spiritual approaches to something. So my question to you is how does how does the average person even begin to recognize where they're holding onto trauma in their body? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure it's totally not on most people's whatever have you radar 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 to even check in with their body physically um, to to mm-hmm. try to become more aware of what's going on with them internally. So, what would you say to somebody who's listening to say just to get an idea of how to kind of an intro into somatics for themselves? Oh, this is such a great question. And it's so many layers. Thick. Oh, no. Oh, first of all, let's just be really honest. If for those of us who've experienced trauma, sometimes it's really hard for us to connect to our bodies. Exactly. Because right. our body is the place where we experienced it and where we're holding it. And so we tend to pop out. We tend to pop out of our bodies as a means of not feeling. So experiencing limited emotions, right? The range of emotion that we allow ourselves to feel, whether that's joy, immense amount, 
or depths of sorrow. So that being able to have emotional range, sometimes some of us are really like tight in our range. It could start from as simple as that. It could be the way that paying attention to how much am I aware of my own self versus how much am I like this tracking for any sort of danger or any sort of tracking to make sure nothing is going to come at me, right? So sometimes we're just so outside focus tracking that we're not really able to connect back in to ourselves. Bean, do you know somebody like that? I feel like we're are we both thinking of the same person right now? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I just wanted to clarify that she said pop out, not pot out. Oh, or pot out, however you need to handle it. Well, yeah, no, but there's that's exact, but that's our survival mechanism. Yeah. So a lot of us are in our survival mechanisms and aren't recognizing that that's where we are, right? But how do we tap into like knowing that maybe perhaps is to check our satisfaction level? Check out, check how connected we feel because we are beings that need connection to others. How connected do I feel to another person or others? That's a great way to check. And then another way that we can just kind of pay attention is when I walk into a room, how safe do I feel? Am I looking for external factors of safety? Am I looking to see where the exit sign is? Am I looking for somebody that feels safe to me? Or am I able to generate safety within myself? which is a concept which not, not too many people like are familiar with. So there is lots of things that we do in somatics in terms of our practices that really allow us to become more informed about what's happening for us that then allow us to then navigate how to work with that, how to heal yep. some of these parts. Woo! Listen, Woo! that was a lot. I it don't really know that was. we even – we didn't even get into how to do – any of the practices. So maybe because you incepted this idea into us and told us this was going to be two parts, maybe because it was our own idea, Bean, I think it was our idea. Totally. Um, we run the show here. I think here. what we should do is, if you're willing to come back next week, aka we keep recording right now. <laughs> and just air it next week. Let's do a part two on the practical day-to-day practices that we can do to help find some of these contractions that you just really beautifully outlined and what we can do to start to get curious about healing them in a practical way in a part two. What do you think, sister? I'm open to that. Universe already let me know this was going to go down. Oh, right. Float right now about your intuitiveness on this intuition podcast. I thought this podcast was all about intuition. What? It is. Not yours, just Maury's. Mine, oh. just mine. <laughs> Listen, every being is intuitive. We just tap. Tap in. Well, sister, thank you for laying out such a beautiful foundation. It and really was. For, for being so vulnerable and honest about your yeah. own pathway here. I just think that you can't be a teacher unless you're willing to walk the path first. And I think you Great. really laid out that you have done that. So for those of you that are curious about how to actually apply this stuff, Uh, Mojgan is going to share with us next week some practical tips, and I hope you'll join us then. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Don't forget to support us by sharing this podcast and leaving us a review anywhere you listen. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Gusta. Special thanks to my production team, 
Anushri Sekhajet, Arman Tassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.